Welcome to STMS Talks, a podcast published by the academic journal Scandinavian Journal of Military Studies. In this episode, we are going to discuss light infantry, the flexible, light-equipped soldiers who engage in ground combat on foot. Russia used light infantry unsuccessfully in their attempt to take over the airport outside Kiev in the early stage of the invasion of Ukraine. With the Israeli ground offensive in Gaza, the discussions on the potential role of light infantry has once again become relevant. On a first look, however, light infantry does not seem to be the preferred unit deployed. Why is that? And what are the do's and don'ts when considering investing in and deploying light infantry units in combat? To talk about these questions, we've invited one of our contributors, Christian Linhardt. Christian published a practice article back in 2021 discussing historical uses of light infantry. Christian wrote the piece after Denmark decided to invest in its first light infantry regiment, the Schleswig Regiment on foot. Basing his discussion on three cases, Vietnam, Rhodesia and Sierra Leone, Christian looks at how Brits and Americans succeeded and failed when deploying light infantry. He did so in order to get closer to what kind of challenges the Danish light infantry might face. Christian concludes that, first of all, adherence to an air mobility doctrine is key because a light infantry needs support. Additionally, he points to the importance of following and developing command and control measures and to the need of well-trained soldiers and experienced commanders. We're going to talk to Christian about this kind of unit and how to use it in contemporary warfare. Christian, welcome to our podcast. Thanks, Jebe. First of all, what is light infantry? And why was there a need for Denmark to establish one back in 2018? Well, two questions. Uh, first things first. Light infantry is infantry that's light, as opposed to uh, armored infantry or mechanized infantry. It basically means that you strip down the soldier to just... The individual person with their kit, their bergens on the back, the gun, what they can carry, and then you train them really, really well. And then you're able to deploy them in a number of ways. And and then the Denmark part, why did we... Yeah, why did Denmark do it? Well, uh, you could. the quick answer would be because they're cheap. Uh, you don't need to buy a lot of material for them. If you do have, say, a few trucks and some helicopters, you can actually deploy them because they're that light and they're, and they're, they're very diverse in the way you can deploy them. You don't need to buy armored vehicles, infantry fighting vehicles, anything. So that would be one answer. But also... It is a lack that you had it identified within the Danish army that you had armored infantry, mechanized infantry, but you didn't have light infantry, and they're good in a num- to use in a number of ways. For instance, if you fight in build-up areas or if you fight in forests, they're really good and easy to deploy in areas like that. Okay, okay. Um, so, so just get us going. So, so give us some history here. Uh, in your article, you analyze historical cases. The, the Brits, the Americans, um, they've had it for for quite quite a number of years. Um, what were the first light infantries and their air mobility doctrine back then? And how are they comparable to the light infantry we have today? Mm. Well, historically speaking, you've always had light infantry going right back to the old Greeks and the Romans, but they're not relevant to to the conversation we have here because, as you say, uh, 
today light infantry is linked up to an air mobile uh, doctrine. Light infantry can actually be um, um, uh, marines as well, and then they have a naval doctrine of some sort. But if you if you take light infantry like the ones we have, and, and the British and Americans, the French have them, they are supposed to be deployed uh, under an air mobility doctrine, and what that does is it it enables them to move vertically on the battlefield. If, if you think of a battlefield, you, you can move on the battlefield, you can move right, you can move left, go one way around the hill, go the other way around the hill. But if you have, for instance, helicopters, then you're also able to deploy vertically on the battlefield and, for instance, be inserted behind the enemy forces. And this all came about after the Second World War when helicopters uh, became more advanced and there was a a... a push from the civilian industry that said, we have these helicopters, military, can you use them somehow? And there was a, a poll from the uh, military where they said, we got these new things, helicopters. Somehow, we surely we must be able to use them. And one of the, the great proponents of this was an American general from the Second World War, uh, James Gavin. He had been a paratroop commander during the Second World War, and, and he knew that there was something in inserting light infantry behind enemy lines. He'd done that on D-Day with his own uh, paratroopers, American paratroopers. But the thing is, you couldn't uh, extract them again. Once you had dropped people from a parachute, they were there, and then they needed to be reinforced from land. But by making an air mobility doctrine, the Americans and others, for instance, the French and the British, came up with this thing that you can move people vertically on the battlefield. So you can put them in with a helicopter. You can move them around the battlefield and you can actually extract them again. So it gives you great mobility with this light infantry. All right. So so fast forwarding from the, 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 from the Second World War to today. So Russia used light infantry in their attempt to take over the Hostomin airport outside Kiev, uh, but did not manage to do so really well. Uh, and as well, and also Israel does not seem to rely much on light infantry in their in their ground offensive in in Gaza. So, can you can you elaborate a bit about some of the challenges also, um, and about some of the recent examples of their use? Yeah, I think uh, both things are really relevant. The Russians first. Um, on that first morning, twenty uh, fourth of uh, February two thousand twenty two, we saw the Russians insert their light. Uh, mobile infantry, the VDV forces, really well-trained uh, troops that the Russians have. And they were inserted in what I would call uh, an air mobile operation. They were flown in with helicopters, su- uh, transport helicopters, supported by combat helicopters. They were flown into the Hostomel airport. They established themselves, took over the place, and actually prepared themselves to move into Kiev because it's right on the outskirts of Kiev. But then nothing happened. And the follow-on forces, I don't know if you can recall it, it's it's almost two years ago. The follow-on forces, this 64-kilometer-long line of vehicles, never made it down there. And and the forces just sort of stayed at Hostomel Airport once they'd taken it over. And the Ukrainians then got their defense up and running, and they defeated them. They totally defeated them. They blew the helicopters out of the sky, and they attacked the light infantry at the airport with heavy infantry, armored vehicles, tanks, artillery, what have you. And when light infantry meets uh, heavy infantry, Otsar, heavy infantry, 
will win in the end. And that's what happened because the Russians sort of inserted them in the in the right way, so to speak, but then nothing happened. They didn't move them around. They didn't move them out of the area and they didn't reinforce them. And that showed the limits of light infantry. It, it can give you a surprise and thereby an edge, but if you don't sort of work from that, then that edge, that surprise gets lost and they get defeated. The Israelis have really good uh, experiences with highly, highly trained and well-equipped light infantry, the paratroopers. And they can either use them by dropping them from parachutes, like, for instance, we talked about James Gavin, uh, who did that during the Second World War. But they can also insert them with helicopters. They've done that uh, numerous times uh, in, in, for instance, Sinai in 1967 or the Golan Heights in 1967. But they don't seem to use them at the moment in Gaza. And one of the reasons why I think they don't use them is because they are uh, afraid to take too uh, large uh, losses. They don't want that many casualties. So they use armored infantry, mechanized infantry, because they're protected by the vehicles and they bring a lot of firepower. Had they used the paratroopers in a light role, um, they certainly could have done a lot against the Hamas fighters, but they probably would have taken considerate losses, and apparently the Israelis are not interested in losses at the moment. Interesting. Uh, so so Denmark got its uh, first light infantry in 2018, and, but, but Sweden, Norway, and Finland, they've had them for quite a while, right? Um, if you should look at it more generally, what is useful about light infantry in the current security situation in in Scandinavia? Because we're not facing Hamas or uh, the Russians at the moment, at least. Well, you could argue we are facing the Russians. At least that's the opponent we are sort of building up to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is a peer opponent uh, as to the, the counterinsurgency wars we've been fighting ever since, say, at least 2001. So we are now looking at peer opponent. I believe that one of the reasons why uh, I know that Norway and Sweden have had light infantry is 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 because of their geography. If you take Norway, Norway is a big, big country. It, it, it stretches for hundreds of kilometers and way up north in the Arctic, there is a limit to how much armored infantry you you can get up there and how it can be used especially during the winter and that's where norway has they they have light infantry right on the border to russia and they are sort of a a a tripwire force where if say the russians were to attack they would do delaying operations through the the very northern part of norway until the armored infantry could get up there and then uh, finally bring the russians to a halt uh, we have to remember that 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 even though Norway is such a big country, they only have about what five five and a half million inhabitants. So they simply don't have the manpower, and that's where they use the uh, the light infantry to to buy time. When it comes to Sweden, we have to look at geography again because they have their Kustjäger, which is uh, naval light infantry, and that. If you look at the coastline of Sweden, it's big. It's it's hundreds of kilometers. And if you take all the islands and combine it, it's probably thousands of kilometers of shoreline. They use their their naval uh, light infantry to move 
around these islands into um, the fjords of Sweden and simply have them as a very, very mobile force that can meet and engage the enemy wherever they come along these thousands of kilometers of coastline. Um, you couldn't deploy heavy infantry in the way that you deploy the light infantry. Uh, then when you come on to mainland Sweden, that's where they have the main uh, heavy infantry, which can bring the enemy to to a halt. Mm, that makes sense. Um, so you you mentioned General Gavin previously. Um, he looked, as you said, at the the helicopter in the 1950s. It's, it's a World War uh, II thing. Uh, and imagine this new kind of warfare with paratroopers. What would he say about the uses of light infantry today if he saw how it was being used? Well, I think he would. Uh, he would certainly recognize it. Um, his the, the the crown of his great project, which was developed during the 1950s. The crown of his great projects was the American deployment into Vietnam. And and if we think the of Vietnam War movies or or perhaps documentaries we've seen about the Vietnam film, it's a lot of Americans getting into helicopters and then vertically moving around the battlefield. Basically, the whole country was a battlefield at least at some point. And that, that was sort of the crown of his project, to, to have these light American forces that were highly mobile around the battlefield. Well, that is pretty much what we are looking at today in Denmark. We do have the, the, the uh, troop-carrying helicopters, the Merlins. We do have the light infantry that train and is, uh, is trained um, uh, by the help of these helicopters. So I think he would recognize them. Some of the things he might not recognize at least according to his original doctrine, would be some of the types of weaponry that we bring to the battlefield these days as light infantry. If we take the good men and women of the the uh, Schleswig Light Infantry Regiment, uh, they, for instance, have some very efficient long-range anti-tank weaponry, which you didn't have back then. And that means... Uh, even though they're light infantry, even though they, they practically only got what they can carry with them, they do bring some hard-hitting heavy material to the battlefield. And that makes them more versatile than light infantry was back in the days when when he sort of came up with this project. Um, we have arrived at the last question of this podcast. So what are you reading right now? Well, I've I've moved on since I I work with this really interesting topic. I I um I have a tendency to fall in love with with my work, and I fell in love with the light infantry and the whole deployment of it um, uh, 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 when I I did my article. And these days, I'm reading a a postgrad at a a university in England, and there I am studying the uh, combined arms maneuver warfare and as a historic example of that I am looking into the Israeli uh, conquest of the Sinai Peninsula in the war against Egypt and the other Arab states in 1967 so now it's a totally different world it's still the guns and bullets but it's a different world of uh, of armored infantry But it turns out that the Israelis did actually use light infantry paratroopers inserted uh, vertically on the battlefield with helicopters. So that's what I'm reading into now. 
Thank you, Christian Linhardt, for being our guest on this podcast episode of STMS Talks. And thank you to our listeners. This podcast was brought to you by the Scandinavian Journal of Military Studies and was produced by Jeppe Tejsker Jacobsen, Ravni Lohme, music by Jens Bjerring. SGMS is an online open access journal publishing both high quality research and practice oriented studies relevant to the military profession.